Welcome to the DC Daily Drop, your one-stop shop for today's important news in DC movies, TV, and comics. Here are your hosts, Tom and Zach. Hello and welcome to the DC Daily Drop. I'm Tom. And I'm Zach. And we are back again today with Ray from theflightcast.com, where you can read his work, or at theflightcast on Twitter, and you can listen to his podcasting with Brent on DC TV Squadcast, where he talks about Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow each week. Uh, thanks again, Ray, for joining us, and we're going to jump right in and put you in the spotlight. And sort of, we got 10 questions here, um, sort of open-ended. They're not meant to be taken too seriously, but I, if I was asked them, I'd probably take them way too seriously. But they're meant to be fun and just sort of uh, talk about some DC stuff from first memories and, and that kind of thing. So um, jumping into it, what is your first DC memory? Oh, my first DC memory. This is going to be like funny and I guess maybe slightly embarrassing at the same <laughs> time. Um, my first DC memory is extreme terror. Uh, I was seven years old when the first Tim Burton Batman movie came out. <laughs> and I was absolutely terrified of Jack, Jack Nicholson's Joker. I mean, it, it, it just scared me right to my core. It was, it was, it was really bad. Like it was like, <laughs> I, I didn't want to see it. I mean, just something about the, the Rictus grin and, and the, and the, 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 the makeup and the green hair, it just absolutely terrified me at age seven. Um, yeah. And, and, and yeah, so that's, that's my first memory is, is, is extreme terror. I, I did get over it. I love that movie now. Um, but uh, <laughs> that's good. You're not but, too you know, scarred. <laughs> no, no, you know, it was, it was a thing, you know, it's one of those things when you're a kid, you know, and, and, you know, certain things will, will scare you. you know, and it's funny cause I, I, I'm, I'm really not afraid of clowns, clowns, <laughs> clowns in general really don't like, I mean, clowns are creepy. There's no question, but, but I, I, oh, I've never been afraid of clowns, but, but that just absolutely terrified me. And I remember, uh, you know, the, I don't know how I, I I'm dating myself here. I'm in my thirties, but, uh, you know, at the at the time, you know, the, there were people when that first Batman movie came out in 89 that they had grown up with the Adam West, Burt Ward Batman. So, yeah. so so before that movie came out, there was this I there was this notion with like my, uh, people that I knew in my family that what I was afraid of was something that amounted to Cesar Romero's take. <laughs> <laughs> and you know obviously they saw the movie and discovered oh no it's nothing like that at all and i and i think they understood my fear a lot more after that <laughs> but it was it was just really interesting how everyone was trying to help me get over it even at that very young age and and i, I did eventually get over it i love that movie and and jack did a fantastic job uh with that character but but yeah that's that's my first DC memory. Sorry, that's a long answer. <laughs> oh, that's okay. No, that's, but yeah, that's that's had to be a sharp uh, contrast for the for the people who are used to Cesar Romero seeing Jack Nicholson's Joker. I, I I I kid you not. My my dad went into that movie thinking that it was going to be two hours of Pow Bam and Ziff, and because <laughs> because you know he didn't read the, I, I he never really read the comics. He really but he grew up with that show. Like, you know, when, when it aired, you know, in, in the sixties. And so that's what he thought this was going to be. And, and definitely got a bit of a rude awakening when he saw what it actually was. Um, still, still enjoyed it, but yeah, definitely not what he was originally thinking. And I, and I, I always to this day wonder how many people back then got fooled the same way he did. 
because I yeah. have to believe it was a decent amount. Oh yeah, I bet I bet some people would have been shocked if there had been Twitter around in those days. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, if only. <laughs> All right, so your first memory was that Batman movie, um, and I think you also mentioned that you like Batman a lot. So this next question, we may already know the answer, but we'll still ask it and see. Uh, who is your favorite DC hero? It is definitely Batman. It is All absolutely right. my favorite DC hero, bar none, by far. Now, is it because of because of the 89 film, or is there another reason for that? that's what started it because even though the joker terrified me i liked batman (laughs) (laughs) you know like he he looked really awesome uh you know and 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 i think part of it was you know to to try and help soften the blow i got a lot of batman toys for christmas uh so (laughs) so i had like the bat cave and the batmobile that that fired the missiles and the batwing and whatnot like i had all that i had all that stuff and it was it was awesome but i think what also helped um, was was one not only the sequel that came out a couple of years later, Batman Returns, which I was completely fine with because the Joker wasn't in it. Uh, but uh, but Although also, Danny DeVito's uh, uh, nose eating might be a little more terrifying if you'd been <laughs> right. if you'd been younger at that time. But <laughs> funny, you know what? Yeah, actually, it, that, that and, and like the, the the black ooze that came yep. out of yeah. his, yeah. out of his mouth. Yeah, no, I, I I think you're absolutely right. Uh, but fortunately, I was getting older at that point. I think I was around ten when that movie yeah. came out, so I was I was growing out of it. But I, I think another thing that that also really contributed to my love of Batman was the animated series because that cartoon okay. came out. Uh, you know what? What was it? Ninety two, ninety three. I think. I think. Think so. Yeah, around the same time, and, and I watch that religiously, like on a on a regular basis, and you know that that that's really where I I would say my love for Batman really started to 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 grow from from that as well. Awesome. Well, on to the other side. Who would be your favorite DC villain? Well, I think it goes without saying. If Batman is my favorite DC hero, my favorite DC villain would have to be the Joker. Um, that 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 not might shocking. Be. That that, well, that that might be I was saying that might be a bit of a static answer. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's it's you know, it, 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 he's one of the greatest villains of all time. Um, I think one of the reasons that he's my favorite, though, is because I've really enjoyed how many different versions of that villain that we've been able to see over the decades. You know, it, it, in the comics, obviously, uh, but also you know, in Batman, the animated series with, with what Mark Hamill did, uh, with what Jack did in the first movie, uh, obviously with what the late great Heath Ledger did in the dark Knight, Uh, and, and, and even, uh, you know, also with, with what Jared Leto did last year in suicide squad for the, you know, the 10 to 15 minutes that he was in the movie, he, he, he owned all of it. And it's, it's such a rich character. And I just love the alpha Omega relationship that he has with Batman because, you know, Structurally speaking, there's no reason like he he doesn't seem like a polar opposite to Batman like on right. the surface. It's Batman and the Joker. They're, like there's nothing, you know. I mean, other than the theatricality and whatnot, there's there's not a whole lot necessarily screaming Alpha and Omega. Yet they have like you know that is his arch nemesis, and they have such a tortured and deeply complex relationship as as hero and villain. And I. I struggled to find other villains that he has that relationship with. In fact, I know he doesn't Batman that is, but I also struggled to find how strong of a hero villain relationship there is like with any other characters than that. I think that's the strongest personally. 
yeah, it's I mean, it's really tough to argue against the Batman Joker relationship, not just not even just in comic books, but in in pop culture and anything. It's there's rarely been such a such a relationship like that. Yeah. Without question. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it does have a lot to do with like you were talking about how there's just been so many different versions is that we have just a broad picture of both of those characters because we've seen We've seen them painted so many different ways. Well, I thought I thought we were only we had to pick our favorite and weren't allowed to like any other ones. Isn't that oh, right. isn't that yeah. the rules? <laughs> yeah, that is that, that, that is the rule, guys. We we gotta we gotta keep up here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, next question: favorite DC movie? I'm guessing it's going to be a movie that includes maybe Batman and possibly also the Joker. Um, you know, I I, I I've given this a great deal of thought. Uh, just in general, as a question. Um, and quite honestly, at this point, I'd have to say probably my favorite DC movie would be Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Uh, and, right. and 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 I know it's you know it, it, people are going to say recency bias with this, but you know I have seen all the DC movies, and you know I thoroughly enjoyed the the, the Tim Burton Batman movies. Thoroughly enjoyed uh, the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Uh, I I. I I do believe, and and Brent and I have said this before on our show. It's okay to like them all, yeah, um, yep, but uh, but but I, I think the, the the reason that I would say that that Batman v Superman is my favorite right now is because to me it's it there's so many things about that movie that just feels like the characters and the world just jump off the page onto the screen. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. not not only with Ben Affleck's incredible performance as batman you know the 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 most visceral and and most brutal batman we have seen on screen and 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 in my opinion the best um but also you know that he you know finally you know to see the finally to see the interaction between him and superman to finally see the trinity at some point on screen um you know and 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 to see lex Luthor, which that that was one of my biggest things with superman um you know it was like i remember I had complained before. I said, you know, they need to give him a villain other than Lex Luthor because I want to see him fight somebody other than Lex Luthor because it seemed like he was fighting Lex Luthor all the time in the, the the Christopher Reeve movies. And they give us Lex Luthor again, but they found a way to make it fresh. They found a way not yeah. to, to, to do it the same way that they had done it before. And, and so, yeah, there, there's just so many things about that movie um, you know, as, as particularly, especially with the, the ultimate edition, um, even though I do like the theatrical cut and the ultimate edition, I like both of them. I like the ultimate edition better because I think there's obviously things in there that are fleshed out more and, and subplots that I feel give the movie a lot more gravitas and a lot more depth. Um, and it, it, it's 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 people laugh when I say this, but I really do consider it a masterpiece. I really do. I, I think it's a yeah. fantastic movie. Absolutely. And. You know, I see recency virus every time a new movie comes out. Uh, I think once you've had a year, I think that's sufficient. If if you're still thinking that, I think that's, I don't think it's any recency bias anymore at this point. I'll agree with yeah. that. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on to TV, if you had to pick your favorite DC TV show of all time, uh, including the current ones running now, what would you pick? Who of all time? Um you know, uh, like there, there, there's two ways to look at it. I, it if we were going to say current, um, like, like, like current, I would actually say Legends of Tomorrow. I thoroughly enjoy DC's Legends of Tomorrow, and and 
like especially this past season was really awesome. But I, I think all time would probably be Batman the animated series. No doubt about okay. it. All, all, all time. Because it, it, the, the thing that blew me away about that show was something that I didn't realize until years later. Um, you know, again, as someone that didn't read all the comics, you know, I didn't have like the comic pedigree going into watching that cartoon at a young age. So I watched it and I loved it. And then years later discovered that, you know, unlike the 1966 Batman TV show, for the most part, all of the villains and all the characters and whatnot in the animated series were steeped in comic lore. And, you know, they, they retold a number of origins like Mr. Freeze and, and, and two face, but that was a show that really did keep a foothold in the comics and really brought the, the comic book to life. And, and I felt for a long time that it was the best on screen adaptation of Batman that we had ever seen. And in many ways, I think it still is, uh, and and just it, it it's amazing when you go back and look at that cartoon, the fact that they allowed us as youngsters to watch to to watch that cartoon because yeah. I go back I've gone back and watched episodes <laughs> since then and I'm like this is not a kids cartoon this should not, <laughs> this should not have been on at Saturday morning Saturday mornings at ten thirty no there's no way I shouldn't have been <laughs> able to watch this right after school in syndication that the, there's some heavy heavy themes. There, there, there's some, you know, not, not outright violence, but implied violence. Some of the episodes right. are downright terrifying. Oh uh, yeah, you know, uh, particularly some of the Joker ones, like the Laughing Fish and whatnot. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I think, I think that's definitely my favorite, my number one favorite of all time for DC TV show. Awesome. Yeah. Um. So you have said that you haven't really read a lot of comics, but um, of the ones you have read, do you have a favorite? one uh, like a single book or an arc or anything i do and i'm gonna go off book on this one there is a book written i want to say it was in the the 80s or 90s called cosmic odyssey oh yeah uh, that was written that was written by jim starlin and uh, mike mignola who's famous for hellboy um i was given that book as a christmas present uh in the middle of my batman fandom as a kid and I've read that book so many times. I I love that book. That is probably my my number one favorite. And I and I there are some other classic ones I've read. Like like I said, I mentioned before, I've read The Long Halloween and I've read Flashpoint and I've read Watchmen. I've also read uh, Death of Superman uh, mm. and and Superman Doomsday uh, among among others. But Cosmic Odyssey I really enjoyed because that is like you know it, 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 I don't if you have either of you guys read that Cosmic Odyssey? Yes, I have. Yeah, the, the thing that I really enjoy about it is, you know, it's not specifically a Justice League story. It's not specifically an Earth story. It's a universe story. And it, it really encompasses, I mean, there are Justice League members in it, obviously, with Batman, Superman, and Jon Stewart, and the Martian Manhunter. Um, but, you know, you've, you've got Starfire and Light Ray. You've got Highfather and, and, and Etrigan. You've got dark side uh it, it it's this crazy like all-encompassing story Absolutely. that trans transcends earth transcends the galaxy and and you know it's it's this crazy coming together and and it, the fact that they're coming together with dark side yes. <laughs> is 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 even more amazing uh and i really enjoy the artwork really enjoy the story itself and and it's it's definitely I, I would definitely put it as my favorite. I I went to great lengths 
to to recently get a new copy of it because the the first copy that I had, you know, I I got it when I was a kid, so I didn't quite <laughs> uh, didn't quite treat it as well as I should have. Didn't um, bag and board it. No, no, I, I, I did, I did not. So I, I, I went and and hunted it down, if you will, uh, special ordered it uh, at a comic store uh, here in Michigan that's so, that's somewhat fame, uh, somewhat well known, called Vault of Midnight. Um, I didn't think I'd be able to find it, and they found it pretty quickly, and I was really excited, and I read it all over again, and it's still awesome, and yeah, it's definitely my favorite. Yeah, I I read that a while back. I'm a huge fan of of the New Gods and everything Jack Kirby's Fourth World, uh, which is why I read it. But it's not just a New God. It's got it's got everything and a bunch of random you know combinations and and characters you wouldn't expect to see together. And it's there's a lot of serious moments in it, but it's it's a lot of fun to read. So that's a that's a definitely a good choice there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And um, let's see. On to the next question. Um, do you have a DC guilty pleasure? Basically something that, you know, isn't supposed to be good or you're told isn't good, um, but that you like anyway. Who Superman returns. Okay. Superman returns. Uh, it, it, yeah. Cause that, that's, that's one that I have to defend my, my liking of, I guess, uh, in, 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 in retrospect, uh, Maybe not, maybe not quite as much now <laughs> with with him, with Henry Cavill. Uh, but uh, that that was one I enjoyed it when it came out because I because I I, do, I did like I do like the Donner Superman movies and I, you know I, I Christopher Reeve rather because Donner only did the first one but I right. and 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 I I appreciated at the time what they tried to do with it you know as far as basically erasing Superman three and four out of existence, which is always a good thing. Uh, and, and, and <laughs> treating this as it was the sequel to Superman two, like it was picking up, you know, however many years after that left off, you know, the, the reason that I think it didn't work is because they, they just waited too long. 19 years, I think is what separated that movie from when Superman four quest for peace came out so you you had a whole i think generation of people that you know had really hadn't connected with christopher reeve superman like that and now it's 2006 and the visual effects are so much better and you know you you've got to find a different actor you know for the for superman but you've got to ask him to play christopher reeve which i i, I give brandon routh a lot of credit they asked him to do the impossible <laughs> really yeah, right. yeah. To, to, to play Christopher Reeve, you know, and, and, and he was the only one that was asked to do that. They didn't ask Kevin Spacey to, to channel uh, Gene Hackman. They didn't ask Kate Bosworth to channel Margot Kidder. They asked him to channel Christopher Reeve. And that was just a really Herculean task. I felt that's a really yep. good point. I'd never, you know, I'd never really thought of that before. Obviously, you know, yeah, Ralph's playing Reeve Superman, but you don't look at, at the other ones. Um, no, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think that movie did do a lot, a lot right. I think you might be onto something there with it being. I've never thought of that before, but I can't imagine if you hadn't seen Superman one and two, and then saw Superman Returns, like, be like, what's going on here? That's a, that's a really good point. There's just a lot of things in it that you don't get, you know, and, and, and you know, some people say, well, it's Easter eggs, but you know, like the the the, the opening title sequence number one uh like you know is 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 lifted directly from the very first movie and then you know the one of the other one of the plot points of the movie actually the the major plot point he's still like 
you know, Lex is still doing a land grab and, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> he, he, he tells it, land, you know, that's his thing. And it's like, that's totally what Hackman was saying. And, you know, where they got the kryptonite from, there's that little tag that says it was a, a, a meteorite found in Addis Ababa. These are things that you wouldn't catch at all if you hadn't seen at least the very first Superman movie. And so, yeah. and, and so, yeah, that's, they just waited too long to try and connect it. I feel like 19 years is, is way too long to try and, and connect movies. Or, and, and I'm thinking, is my math right on that? Yeah. 1987. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, you were asking people to remember something from almost 20 years prior and some of us did. A lot of us didn't. And yeah, yeah. I just, I, I just don't, I just, I really feel like that was the movie's downfall to do that. I, if they were, that would have been a perfect time for them to do Man of Steel, truthfully. You know, if, yeah. they, if they were going to, you know, just start over with a fresh Superman. And, and they, I think they realized that after Superman Returns. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that, I still like what that movie tried to do, even though it didn't totally work. Yeah. All right. So the next question is, uh, is there anything like one thing in DC that you dislike or hmm. dislike or, or would change? You know, it could be a character. It could yeah. be a show. It could be it could be anything. Are, are, are we talking like we're talking within DC? We're, so we're, we're definitely not talking about the fan base or anything <laughs> strenuous <laughs> outside of it. No, we we don't have a magic wand here. We can't we can't do everything. <laughs> I understand. Gotcha. Um. You know, I guess uh, there was one thing that I would change. I suppose, you know what? I'll tell you what. Uh, this is something that, that we may have talked about on, on DC TV Squadcast. I would, I, 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 one thing I don't like is I, I don't like that Supergirl is separate from yeah. the other three shows in terms of it being on Earth 38 and then being on Earth 1. I wish they were all part of the same Earth. Uh, and I realize why they're not, you know, because, you know, obviously the the, the real reason is because Supergirl started on CBS and crossed over to the CW this year. But, you know, I, I we were kind of hoping, Brent and I, that there would be some type of merging and some type of explanation that would allow them to merge Supergirl with the, the, the Earth One that Flash, uh, Legends, and Arrow all inhabit. Um you know, and and they've they've kind of found a workaround for that. You know, with the, with the breach device and the fact that Cisco can vibe breaches at any point in time or whatnot. But it, it's not the same. You know, because because right. with those other three shows, you've got actors that you know they'll cross over into another show, even though it's not technically like a crossover event. Like you'll see, you know, like it, it you'll see Victor Garber on the Flash because he started there, or you're, you'll you'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, You'll see Brandon Ralph, uh, who, by the way, I, I do feel that his performance as the Adam is superior to his performance as Superman um, because <laughs> they because they allowed him to be himself. Um, right. But but uh, but, you know, you'll, you'll see like little characters like crossover there. I remember there was an episode, I think it was in the first season of Flash, where uh, Cisco and Joe went to Central City C- or they went to Star City rather. Uh, and, and met up with Quentin Lance, and I think they also met Laurel, the Earth One Laurel, when she was still alive. You know, just little stuff like that. You know, it, you can't really do that with Supergirl being on another Earth, and that's kind of disappointing, especially since they have the Martian Manhunter, and yeah. Earth One has the Flash. And 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 that was one of the things I had said in our last episode. Is like, okay, if they if they if they're gonna do a Supergirl Flash crossover like every March then I need to see Barry Allen, the flash 
fighting alongside John John's the Martian Manhunter. I need to see. Yeah, that. yeah. I totally need to see that. So I guess that that's definitely the one thing that I dislike that I would change. Yeah, and I think they they try to make sense of of keeping them separate because so you know every every problem on the other show isn't answered by oh well Supergirl could just fly over real quick and fix this. But I mean you could say the same thing with the Flash being there. I mean what what issue on Arrow could Barry Allen not solve? very quickly i mean very few could he not so i think they've i think they would be okay with combining that and we were kind of hoping for a crisis or of something like that too to combine them but i think it, it looks like it's not going to happen at this point yeah yeah so yeah i, I and, and that's a that's a very good point uh because i i think you're right that they were thinking to keep to keep her separate so that there wouldn't be an easy answer for you know what they could deal with but it, to, to me i've always just kind of headcanoned you know, in my own right, you know, the, the reason Barry doesn't go and help Oliver is because he's got his own problems, you know, right. and, he, yeah. and his problems tend to be a bit more, uh, large scale disastrous because yeah. he's a med because he's a meta human as opposed to Oliver's, um, you know, his problems are really confined to star city. Um, but, uh, and, and, and the legends even, I mean, their, their problems span the entire, universe and, yeah. and 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 the, the time span and whatnot but yeah they they all have their own things to do to keep them busy so that's why they really don't cross over unless it's a really big emergency like the dominators or something right all right well just two more questions left um is there a dc character you haven't seen before in live action that you would like to see in in a, in a tv show or a movie is there is there a character that you'd like to see brought to life ah uh, this might take a bit of thought if uh can it be a character that they might end up bringing to life? Like, like, like likely, like likely we're going to see this character brought to life. I think, I think that, yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause it, you know, it, I had, this is a bit of recency bias, but I, I, I had this discussion the other day about Batgirl um, because I was talking with uh, some Twitter followers about who should play Batgirl. And I had some people arguing that it should be Cassandra Cain, uh, and my argument was it should be Barbara Gordon first and foremost, because we've never seen her on the big, we've never seen Batgirl on the big screen before. And like, that would be like if her first turn on the big screen, it does need to be Barbara Gordon. I feel just for the sake of continuity and for the sake of, of the character itself, the history of the character itself. It'd be like, and I told him, I said, it'd be like if you were starting a Batman franchise with Terry McGinnis. Instead right. of Bruce Wayne, you know, <laughs> and, and in, in the midst of this discussion, like I came to realize how much I really do want to see a Batgirl movie. Um, <laughs> and, and I, I, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of it until I had this discussion, uh, not too long ago when it, it was around the time that the Joss Whedon story came out. Um, I really do want to see Batgirl, uh, on screen and, and a big, I think a part of the reason for that is cause I've, I've been reading a lot of the DC rebirth her arc in, in that with, with not only with her solo arc with Batgirl, but also Batgirl and the birds of prey. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I've enjoyed both of those runs and I I've really gotten to appreciate her character more than I did when I saw her in the animated series for a bit or, or the, the, the new Batman Superman adventures later. Uh, and, and definitely more than when I first saw her, which was in syndication on the 1966 Adam Westbert word Batman TV show. I think she was, she was played by Yvonne Craig back then. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think that's definitely, 
you know, it's, it's just another one of those characters. And yeah, she's part of the Bat family and, and whatnot. And and I, I think that is one of those characters that I would like to see on screen. Yeah. And yeah, we've seen a little bit of, uh, of Batgirl before, but never, you know, full on. And I think, yeah, that's one thing we're we're both pretty excited about, you know, another female led superhero movie, you know, uh, and, oh, yeah. and Batgirl. Batgirl is a great choice for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I think a lot of people um, try to put Batman and Robin maybe in the back of their minds and <laughs> pretend like maybe it didn't happen. <laughs> Well, and, you know, and and yeah, um, but I, I'll I'll take it from the other angle. I'll say that there needs to be some atonement for yeah, uh, yeah. for oh, yeah. for for, for, for and, and that's that's how I look at Green Lantern Corps. Green Lantern Corps will will be the atonement for the <laughs> 2011 movie, and I, and I I think definitely Batgirl deserves some atonement for what what for what happened in Batman and Robin. Yes, for sure. Uh, agreed. Yeah, and Barbara Wilson isn't isn't a real character anyway. So no, but we'll go Pessa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a whole other ball of wax. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, our last question: If you were in charge of DC Entertainment, what is the first thing you would do? Ooh, that's a doozy. Uh, it, it is a doozy. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, because I, I had mentioned before about you know the the faith that I do have in Jeff Johns uh, and and his leadership at this point with the DCEU. So I tell you what, I'm going to be kind of deliberately controversial. I, I, I 110% believe what I'm about to say, but I'm, I'm also going to say it because it is deliberately a somewhat of a controversial stance. And that is, I would do my, I, I would make Zack Snyder sign a lifetime DCEU contract. <laughs> um, because, you know, I, and, 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 if you, I'm sure you guys have read uh, the, the the piece that I have posted to my Twitter account is uh, my my praise for Zack Snyder as what mm-hmm. uh, I believe him to be the best comic book movie director that we've seen, uh, and I've gotten so much response from that um, from from people who agree with me and also from people who think I need to I'm certifiable <laughs> and I and I need to get my head checked out. Um, but you know, I, I, I really, you know, in, in, in looking at his, and I've been a fan of his work since Dawn of the Dead, truthfully, I, I, you know, I, I've seen just about all of his movies. You know, I, I, I enjoyed 300, uh, thoroughly enjoyed Watchmen and, and had great respect for what he did with that movie. Um, uh, because as a fan of that book as well, um, I was one of the people that believed for a long time that it was unfilmable. And he proved mm-hmm. and he proved me wrong, in my opinion. He absolutely proved me wrong. There were things that were in the theatrical version of that movie that I thought would have never seen the light of day. And he made it happen and, you know, stuck to his guns and kept it, you know, the Cold War era story that that it always has been and the allegories and whatnot. And yeah, you know, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed what he did with Man of Steel, obviously, and, and and with Batman v Superman, and I look forward to what he's doing with Justice League. I, I feel like to me personally, he's the only director of these comic book movies that understands the comic book aesthetic from a cinematic purpose. And, and, and what I mean by that is you look at some of these other comic book shared universes, you know, and, and you know, we don't need to name them. We know what they are. Um, <laughs> but when you watch a lot of these movies, they feel like movies. And, and you know, not that the obviously the DCEU is it's three movies. There's no, there's no question about it, but there are points in 
each of those three movies, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and Suicide Squad, where it's the page coming to life in 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 a lot of ways. You know, oh, not, yeah. not 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 just in terms of events or things that happen, but also in terms of how it's shot and and just how the visual effects, you know, just just pop out. Um, you know, I, the, the one one thing that comes to mind is is the the doomsday battle i know everybody or well not everybody but i know a lot of people you know moan and groan about doomsday but that, that there's the, that one particular shot uh where you know it's it's the heat vision battle between him yeah. and superman and just when you i've i've watched that shot so many times and it doesn't look real and what i mean by that <laughs> is it doesn't look <laughs> like henry cavill is there and it doesn't look like visual effects it looks like a painting it really does it looks like it looks like artwork and there are so many different shots that are like that in that movie and also in man of steel my favorite in man of steel is the uh when he destroys the world engine uh which is one of the most powerful moments in the movie when he when he you know flies to that machine in the indian ocean and the machine is killing him and he's you know got to marshal up whatever strength he's got and flies into it it the whole that whole shot, just everything, the the water and the 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 gravity waves and him fighting it, it's just it it looks like it's drawn. It looks like artwork to me. And you know, and and there's you know, obviously in Suicide Squad, you know, I'll point straight to the fact that they threw the Alex Ross Easter egg right in there for yeah. us of Harley and Joker, which was fantastic. Um right. you know, and 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 that and that's not Zack Snyder, but you know, that that's I think he's he got the ball rolling as far as what you could do with this universe in terms of making it look like a comic book come to life. And I really feel like this franchise is the only one that has done that. And he has such a keen understanding of the comics and of the DC Comics world that he's able to bring it to life in a way that I don't think anybody else has been able to do with, with their respective comic book universes not that they don't look good but they just they they look like movies whereas the dcu to me especially with man of steel and and batman v superman look like comics come to life and so as far as i'm concerned he needs to forever be involved with this franchise um and 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 as i pointed out in that in that article that i that i wrote about him uh he he's made them he's made warner brothers over two billion dollars by himself you know, yeah. with, with the two DCEU movies and Watchmen and Dawn of the Dead. So he he's for people that are and I, I tell this for for people that are eager to see him go. Uh, no, no. Warner Brothers <laughs> is is not going to let him go anytime soon whatsoever. Um, and and, and I, I feel like he has really been a, a breath of fresh air and and just a, a great visual and storytelling presence for this franchise. So if I were in charge of DC Entertainment, that is absolutely the first thing that I would do is is make certain that he is here for life, <laughs> no matter what. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's definitely a controversial one to end on. Um, but uh, of course, you know, even now there's so many detractors of Zack Snyder that they won't even give him credit for his visuals. Visuals, but mm-hmm. I think it's really tough to argue that there's a better better visual f- film director when it comes to comic book movies than than Zack Snyder. I mean, his films just look different. Like you said, they just look better, I, I would say. Yeah. I, yeah. 
Well, and, and one of the other things that just I briefly want to point out about his visual style is that the, the thing that I most respect about Zack Snyder that I think a lot of people don't quite get is, and, and, and I think this is what leads to a lot of the, 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 the backlash and, and in some cases downright hatred of him is he really respects the rule, the, the rule, the, one of the golden rules of filmmaking, which is show don't tell. I think nowadays with movies and, and, you know, we've seen it in other franchises. We've seen it in DC movies before, like, like in the dark Knight trilogy. I think a lot of people, a lot of audiences are, they're tuned to look for speeches and they're tuned in, they're tuned in to look for dialogue and, and, and lines that they, that are quotable or, 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 you know, they, 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 it's almost like they're looking for exposition. And when they hear really good exposition, then they consider it great writing. If they don't hear it, then they consider that bad writing. And in Zack Snyder's case, his movies don't have those types of great exposition because he shows you what happens. The, 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 the exposition is not in the dialogue. It's not in the speeches. It's on screen. It's in, it, it's, it's right there. You know, like there's a, there's a shot in the ultimate edition of Batman V Superman. It's after the Capitol building blows up. And there's that scene where Alfred uh, finds the papers and whatnot in in yeah. Bruce Wayne's home or whatnot, and one of them has a, a, a drawing of the Capitol building exploding right on top of it. And you know, just it wasn't a thing that was explained to you in dialogue and exposition; it was shown to you. And that's just one example. I mean, there's tons of other examples in the movies, but I I really do appreciate that he tells his story visually, and I don't think he gets nearly as much credit for that i don't think he gets any credit for it truthfully the fact that he can tell his stories visually on screen without having to give us a big bold speech or without having to give us this long-winded exposition that that i think other movies give us in order to explain to us what's happening we 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 have to see for our eyes we actually have to watch the movie Uh, imagine that actually having to watch the movie (laughs) to understand exactly what is going on you know instead of instead of actually listening to it i'd you know, it, it's so I, I think, unfortunately, a lot of audiences are conditioned to listen instead of watch. He respects the watching, which is what movies are supposed to be. They're a visual medium. So, yeah, I, I I have more than enough respect for him for that. And I, I think he deserves more respect because of his ability to do that. Yeah. And I, I think what you said right there is especially important when it comes to a character like like Superman, who is not necessarily someone you know, he's not Tony Stark. He's not Barry Allen. He's not someone who's just going to rattle off everything that's going on uh, to to jump back to Superman for all seasons. You know, he ran away to Smallville and didn't talk to anybody. You know, Lana Lang was asking him what's going on. And he just, you know, he didn't he didn't share until um, the time was right. And so it, it's sort of storytelling without the exposition, like you said, like the the verbal exposition like you said right yeah and it's and and that's just coming down to respecting the visual medium as it is yeah yep well you made it through the spotlight all 10 questions ray yeah did a good job that was a fun talk it's a it's fun to talk just talking to someone who enjoys dc and and had a lot of fun with it um it is isn't it (laughs) yeah it's just fun to like think out on this stuff yeah um so thank you for coming on everybody we'll have links in the show notes but 
you can find Ray at the flight cast on Twitter, the flightcast.com and, and you can check him out, listen to him on DC TV Squadcast. Is there anything else you want to want to plug or talk about Ray? Um, you know, I had just, uh, for, for, for those that we, we, we've talked a lot of DCEU here to, uh, tonight and, uh, you know, I, I do the DC TV Squadcast with Brent, and yeah, that's it's for you guys. Said you listen to the Suicide Squadcast Network. I want to make sure everybody knows, like any DC fans, you know that there is the Suicide Squadcast show with with Tim and Scott, and they they deal with more of what you guys deal with as far as talking about the DCEU as a whole. But they deal with all news um, concerning the DC concerning DC in in general with uh, with television and movies, and also a bit of the comics. And then we, there's also the DC Comics Squadcast. Uh, with Jordan and Chris, and they focus specifically on the comics as well. So we've got three shows on the Suicide Squadcast Network, um, and I, I've had a blast doing those shows with them. Uh, and and just just as a, a a quick note here, I actually discovered their show because I was looking for a positive podcast <laughs> on the DC on the DC Extended Universe, and I caught their the first episode of the Suicide Squadcast that I listened to with Tim and Scott. Uh, was a review of the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman Donna Justice and it was very positive and I I had been listening to them ever since uh, and then uh, reached out to them about when they decided they wanted to expand their network and yeah it's it, it definitely I think along with their their guys just like you that you know just like us really that that want to that you know that geek out on this stuff and enjoy DC comics and and the universe that they've brought us and the universe that they're continuing to bring us. So yeah, I guess that that'd be the biggest thing other than other than my site which you already mentioned the, the flightcast.com. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely recommend those three podcasts if you you know with what Scott and Tim do and um you know what you guys do in the, in the comics squadcast too. They're definitely worth checking out to find more, you know, people talking positively about dc you know it's just fun to hear that kind of stuff yeah and 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 also want to emphasize it, it it's positive talk but we you know it's not like it's not like fanboy talk you know what i mean they're, they're, uh, yeah and, and you you guys know you've listened to it like we you know when when there are things that we don't necessarily care for we will point them out we've we've done that many times on all of yeah. our shows but 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 it, it's all out of a of a love and appreciation for what dc comics has brought us so far absolutely all right well th- thank you again for coming on it, uh, a lot of fun talking to you like i said and definitely welcome anytime you want to talk anything dc related okay thank you very much guys i really appreciate it. thank you for having me yep thanks Thanks for listening, and make sure to check out DC Daily Drop on Twitter, Facebook, and DCDailyDrop.com. Drop by tomorrow for more DC news.